Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this chance to be here. I pray that you'd bless the effort to preach your word this morning, that you would use it, God, in our lives. I know that this is something that could be relevant to many of us, something that could be very helpful to us, and I pray that it would be. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to be in James chapter 5, but before we get to the text, I'd like us to think about something that I know all of us know, and that is this, is that you and I live in a community that is a, a pretty laid-back, slow-paced kind of an environment. Would you agree with that? A lot of times, people don't get in a real big hurry around here. And sometimes that can be a little frustrating that people are moving at a slower pace. But more times than not, we're comfortable with that and we're okay with it. But every once in a while, here's what life does. It forces us outside our comfort zone here in town and we have to go to the big city. It's happened, hadn't it, where, where you find yourself traveling through a place like Oklahoma City, maybe Dallas, maybe someplace like Austin or Houston. We find ourselves in the big city, and here is what we know. They move at a little bit faster pace than what we do here in our town. So you find yourself on an interstate where the sign clearly reads it is a 60-mile-per-hour zone. And as a good law-abiding citizen, you're trying to do 60 miles per hour. And yet you notice the closer you get to this big city, people are passing you like you're standing still. You begin to notice that when people are passing you, they're staring at you. Maybe they have honked at you or waved at you. And so as you're driving through this city where the speed limit again is clearly posted at 60 miles per hour, you realize these idiots are driving 70, 75, 80 miles an hour. And so for the sake of survival... What do you do? You press the gas and you begin traveling at the same rate of speed as everyone else. You're, you're soon going 70, 75, 80 miles an hour again in that 60 mile an hour zone. You might be scared to death while you're doing it, but you're getting a little bit more aggressive because you know if you don't, this could get bad and you might miss the exit and that could be a lot of problems for you down the road. And so it's kind of interesting if you think about it, what has happened. You have allowed yourself to be influenced by what everyone else surrounds you is doing. We've all been there, right? I wouldn't normally do this, but because everyone else is, for the sake of survival, I must do this also. So therefore, it's justifiable, right? Yeah, I mean, how are they going to, to pick on me? If everyone else is speeding, 
they can't just single me out. So it's justifiable. We can reason it away. We can rationalize it. It's okay because everyone else is doing it. But what has happened is this. In the bigger picture, we have become a part of the overall problem without even realizing we've done it. You say, well, I've never been in a situation like that. Well, how many of us have been in a situation like this? Maybe we're in a large crowd and and the large crowd is all moving a particular direction and then you come to an intersection where there are those blinking lights that tell you when you're supposed to walk and not walk. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like this, but there have been times where I've been on that street corner and that little blinking light on that light post was blinking red, don't walk, but guess what? 75 to 100 other people were walking across the intersection, so guess what I did? You fall right in line with them and you walk across with everyone else. Again, surrounded by enough people, Our actions can be influenced by what they are doing and we can justify it and we can rationalize it and think absolutely nothing of it. And I want to say this one more time. In doing so, we become part of the problem. Now, as you think about that, I want us to think about the context of James chapter 5. It begins by James writing about landowners who were wealthy, who had acquired at least a portion of their wealth by taking advantage of their laborers, the ones who had worked the fields, reaped the crops, and done all the harvesting and all the work on behalf of the landowners. Obviously, the landowners had agreed to pay these laborers some kind of a wage for their work that was done. And yet when the work was done, when the work was completed, the landowners did not pay them for their services. So in the past, we've talked about the burden that this would have put the the workers under, the stress that this would have put them under by way of the financial aspect of things. This was not a good position for the laborers to be in. And then something else that is suggested throughout the text is this, is that should any of the laborers sought, if they had tried to seek some legal action against the landowners, it appears as though the landowners were using their wealth and their influence to pay off the court system to get verdicts that would be favorable for them and against the workers who had brought the lawsuit against them. This is what we have talked about in previous sermons. And so here is what we see, though we've not really focused on this, is that as you look at these landowners, they were corrupt, they were dishonest, they were people who who were not good people in in so many ways. And so this morning, here is what I would like us to focus on. Here is how I would like us to consider the landowners is that these were men and women or families combined who lacked integrity. These were landowners who lacked integrity. They were not worried about honesty. They were not worried about being trustworthy. They had no integrity by which to guide them, by which to govern them. They were going to do what suited them most or best. So as we keep that in mind, look in verse number 12 this morning. 
Again, James chapter 5, verse number 12, here's what James said. He said, but above all things, my brethren. Okay, so James is saying this is very important. This is extremely important. Of everything else I've told you to this point, this is above all things. You really need to hear this. You really need to give attention to this, James says. And again, he is writing to the brethren fellow children of God, men and women who had placed their faith in Christ. So this is not just a general reference to the Jews. This is not just a broad statement to fellow countrymen. This is a reference to fellow believers. And he says, above all things, brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. So he says there in verse number 12, swear not. So what does it mean whenever he speaks of swearing? Well, he's talking about an oath or a covenant that someone would enter into. Now in this verse, here's what we've got to understand is that James was not saying, do not ever enter into a contract. Don't ever enter into some kind of a covenant or to some kind of an agreement. But whenever he said, swear not, what he was saying is this, as it says, swear not neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath. And the reason that that statement is made is because scholars tell us this, is that in their day, people People were so dishonest and people were so crooked because of the lack of integrity that they would choose to use certain things to swear by so as to try to prove how serious their word was in that particular situation, in that particular setting. So there was such a level of distrust among the people that if two people were going to come into some kind of an agreement, you might have something like this, somebody swearing by the heaven that this time they're telling the truth. So it might sound something like this, as ridiculous as it would seem to us. I swear by the heavens, I swear by the stars, I swear by, by the moon, whatever it may be, I swear by those things I am telling you the truth this time. And what James is saying is, is believers, that is not the kind of covenant or oath that you are supposed to enter into. Now, we'll talk about this more in just a couple of moments, but I want us to think about this. Though 2,000 years have passed, nothing has changed. What do people still do today in an effort to prove their seriousness in a matter? They will call upon things as witnesses that are completely ridiculous to try to convince you that this time they're telling the truth. We've heard things like this, and I know that I've mentioned this before, but let's just think about this. We've heard people say things like this, on my mother's grave, I'm telling you the truth. Oh... Well, if you weren't using your mother's grave this time, I might have thought you were lying. But since you invoked your mother's grave, this must be serious. Right? How many people at some point in their lives, they've placed their hand on a Bible and they've raised their right hand. And they have said, I solemnly swear. And you can really take me serious now because I've got one hand on a Bible and another hand in the air. And if that doesn't mean I'm serious, friends, nothing proves I'm serious. 
I'm just saying we are still in a culture and we are still a society that does all these things to try to prove we're serious this time. And what James said to the believers is this, is that's not the kind of antics you're supposed to engage in. That's not the approach to life that you're supposed to to take in, in your word. He said, you don't swear by the heaven or by the earth or any other oath. He goes on to say what many of us have heard many times. He just said, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. So what is James saying to his audience? He is just saying this. Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Let it be that whenever you say something, people know that you mean what you say. That whenever you speak to someone, if you enter into some kind of an agreement with someone, here is what it should be for you believers, that all you've got to do is say, this is what I said, therefore this is what I'm going to do. Mean what you say and say what you meant and leave it at that. He is saying to the believers, you need to live in such a way that you don't have to go through all the antics, that you don't have to go through all the silliness of swearing by this or swearing by that. People who know you need to know this, that if you said it, that's what you meant. If you said it, it's what you're doing End of discussion. Now think about the placement of this statement. It's after James has addressed the crooked landowners, right? The landowners who have done what? Who have lied, who have been less than trustworthy, who have proven themselves to be men and women with no integrity. So what is James saying to believers? He is saying this, that as you go through life, as you go through your days, here is what you want, is you want to have some integrity about yourself. You want to have some honesty about you. You want to be dependable. You want to be trustworthy. You don't want to be like everyone else You want to stand out from the crowd and be different, again, with some integrity. When people deal with you, they ought to know they don't have to question whether or not they're getting the truth. Now, why in the world would James have to tell the brethren to be men and women of integrity. Well, it's kind of like driving through the big city. Follow this, please. It's kind of like driving through the big city where the speed limit is posted at 60, but yet everyone else is driving 75. Why do people begin to go faster? Why do people begin to break the law? Because of the need of survival in their minds. If I don't keep up, if I don't drive, if I don't behave like everyone else, here's what will happen. I'll get run over. I'll get destroyed. It's not going to end well for me. Well, think about this principle. Living in a day where everyone or so many were crooked and dishonest and lacked dependability and trustworthiness, think about what could have happened in the minds of the people 
who had already been defrauded and taken advantage of. They could have come to this place where they began to be influenced by the actions of everyone else around them. So if you're dealing with the crook, what do you have to be? you got to be crooked. If you're dealing with somebody who is a liar, what do you have to be? You've got to be a little bit shady in how you approach it. You've got to kind of protect yourself. And in order to protect yourself against them, you've got to play the same games that they're playing. Friends, that is not some weird concept. It is something that people do all the time. If this is who I'm going up against, I've got to know who they are and I've got to get on their level. If I'm going to have a fighting chance with them, then I've got to be who they are. And what James was saying is this, is though you live amongst a crooked people, though you live amongst people who have no integrity, you, the child of God, must maintain your integrity. You have to maintain honesty and you have to maintain that trustworthiness and that dependability and that reliability. People have to be able to depend on you. You cannot be influenced by what other people are doing. Now this morning, I think we've already alluded to this enough, but I just want to say it again to make sure that we're completely clear. That we are living in a society that is still built upon lies from liars. We are. All we've got to do is look around and and we realize if we've got any awareness at all that we are living in a society of lies put forth by liars. How many of us today would for a moment suspect or suggest that our politicians are honest and forthright and, 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 and people of integrity with us? Not a hand goes up, does it? Why? Because we naturally assume that if their lips are moving, they are lying. Whenever you do business transactions with certain people, how many of us would have to say this, that that knowing a little bit about them, we enter into that business transaction with a little bit of of hesitation or, or being a little bit guarded because we assume that that person's not being completely honest with us. Have you ever been there? Friends, there is such a lack of integrity. We are seeing this from churches and entire denominations and and movements where, where as things begin to come out, when things begin to be revealed, we're beginning to realize more and more and more how little integrity there really is even among the religious ranks of our world. I'm just saying we are living in a culture and a society of lies that has been put forth from the mouths of liars. And if we're not careful, you know what it does? It lends us or it leads us to sometimes, not always, but to sometimes think that in order to survive in this crooked, messed up world we live in, that we have to live like the people we're dealing with. Management is probably lying to me, so I'm going to lie to management just a little bit. But it's okay because it's how the system works. 
The politicians, they lie. The politicians don't tell the truth. So what the government doesn't know, the government won't be hurt by. Have we ever heard things like that expressed? This person in my family, this person who calls themselves my friend, they're not the most honest person with me, so I'm not going to be the most forthright I could be with them. Again, that's how the system is built, and that's how the system works. And if we're not careful, we can get sucked into that, and we begin to compromise our integrity. We began to compromise our dependability and our trustworthiness and that reliability. And what James would say to us is what he said to them some 2,000 years ago. Above all things, brethren, swear not, not by the earth, not by any other oath. Let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. You know what James would say to us this morning? He would say this. In a land of liars, be honest. In a land of people that you cannot trust, be trustworthy. In a land where there seems to be no integrity, maintain your integrity. Just tell people the truth so that they know what they're dealing with. Tell them what needs to be said, even if it's not going to be appreciated. Just be people of integrity. Can I just share with us this morning that that is so desperately needed in the house of God? I'll just be honest with you. There are times that I know without a doubt I'm being lied to by Christians. You're not getting the truth. You're not getting the honest report. You are getting what was convenient for the moment, but you're not getting the truth. Friends, if anyone ought to be men and women of integrity, it ought to be the child of God. If anyone should know that this person can be depended on, it ought to be that they know that we, the children of God, can be depended on. There is no place for a lack of integrity in the life of a believer. Now notice what else James went on to say. He is saying, let your yea be yea and your nay, nay. Be people of integrity Don't get wrapped up into acting like everyone else around you, lest ye fall into condemnation. Lest ye fall into condemnation. What does it mean to fall? It means this, to stumble into something. To stumble into something. Here's what every one of us know. I have mentioned this in the past that no one intentionally falls. It is accidental. No one looks at a setting and says, this would be an excellent time to fall and and see what happens. No, it's always an accidental process that takes place. So he said, lest ye fall, lest ye stumble, understanding accidentally, 
into condemnation. What is condemnation? Well, some people would describe it like this, to be found guilty of something or to be condemned for one's actions. And there's some fairness to that definition for the word of condemnation, to be condemned, to be found guilty for one's actions. But I want to share something with us this morning, something that I don't do real often because I know it's not always the most interesting approach to to study and to preaching. But I want us to think about this word condemnation. If you go back to the original text, here is what the word is. Hypoc receives. Hypoc receives. Does that word sound remotely familiar to any word in the English language? Hypocrisy. Now, now think about this. Let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest ye fall or stumble into hypocrisies. This word that is translated in verse number 12 of chapter 5, it's used seven times in the New Testament and all six times other than this, it is translated either dissimulation or hypocrisy, dissimulation meaning hypocrisy. And so in every situation, it is dealing with this idea of hypocrisy, of not being real, of not being consistent. Not being consistent and not being real. Again, think about this. You go to the big city and everybody's driving fast. And, and what, is, you know, what, what are people like us doing? We're griping about how fast everyone's driving. While we're doing what? Driving the exact same speed as them. What is that? That is hypocrisy. It is hypocrisy to be griping about the very thing you're griping, or it's hypocrisy to be doing the very thing you're griping about. So here is James, and he is saying, listen, I know you live in a land, and I know you live in a culture where there's no integrity. I know that people are not honest, but don't you fall into that. Because if you fall into that, guess what? You are a hypocrite full of hypocrisy. You're not consistent. Well, I didn't mean to lose my integrity. Well, of course you didn't. It was accidental. You fell into it. I didn't mean to become a person that I, you know, that couldn't be trusted. I understand that, but that's what happened. And so James is saying you, you've got to guard against this because if you don't work hard to maintain your integrity, you'll soon find that you're just like the very people that you can't stand. You've got to work at maintaining your integrity. Or you will become a part of the problem plaguing society. So let me just present it this way. You and I have desperately got to protect our integrity. Are we hearing this? 
We have got to protect our integrity because if we do not protect our integrity, we become a part of the greater problem in our generation today. We've got to be men and women who say this and whoever it is we're talking to knows that that is the absolute truth and it doesn't have to be questioned. That's what we've got to work toward and that's what we've got to guard and, and, and be mindful of because if we're not people of integrity, we are hypocrites, lacking consistency, And I think most of us know the biblical view on hypocrisy. It is not viewed favorably. And so this morning, I thought about asking this question. Do any of us lack integrity? And then it dawned on me, well, if we do lack integrity, we wouldn't be honest enough to admit it. Do you lack integrity? Oh, no, I I swear to you, I don't lack integrity. On my mother's grave, I promise you, I've got integrity. See, that would be part of the problem, right? So I'm not going to ask us this morning, do we have integrity? Because we all want to believe that we have integrity. But what I'd like us to consider this morning is this is if we would be honest, would we have to admit that we ever struggle with our integrity? Are there ever those times in our minds, let's listen please, are there ever those times in our minds we feel the need to maybe get on their level so as to protect our own interest? Do we feel the need to to be very careful in our presentation so as to try to lead people certain places without being completely upright and honest? Do we ever struggle with our integrity? We do. But we can't afford to. Because when we lose our integrity and when we lose our credibility... You know this as well as I do. It is so hard to regain it. It is so hard to regain the integrity and the credibility once we sacrifice it for whatever reason. Do we struggle? Most of us do. To some extent at different times. Keep in mind that is hypocrisy and that's not the way it's supposed to be. And if you know it is more of a struggle than not, you need to start asking the Lord, saying, Lord, help me. In this crazy world that we live in, I want to be a person of integrity, someone that honors you and pleases you with what comes out of my mouth. Let's all stand this morning and bow our heads with prayer. Fathers, we come to you this morning. I pray that you would help us to be men and women of integrity. Lord, we live in a dishonest society. There's no denying that. It is easy to be influenced by the actions of others and to feel justified by it. And as I've already said, we then become a part of the greater problem. 
God, I pray that you'd help us to not be the hypocrite, that you'd help us to be honest and forthright. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.